first person singular, pronoun, personal pronoun. I will pray. Pray is a transitive verb. It must have an object. You can't use it without an object. You can use pray without an object, but you can't use it as a transitive verb without an object. It's a transitive verb. Father is the object of the verb. I will pray thee, Father. And he, personal pronoun, will give you another. The word another there makes it impossible to be the one that had. The one that had was Jesus Christ. And he'll give you another comforter. Well, who is the comforter? He whom the world cannot see. Neither knows him. The world can't receive it. Why? Because it doesn't know him. That's the reason. And it has the personal pronoun or somebody in his uh, group tonight spoke up just then and said, Spirit, of course it's the Spirit. John 14, 26 says, But when the comforters come, which is the Holy Spirit, He'll bring all things to remember. But my friend, that isn't what you want to know. What does that personal pronoun, He, mean? Jesus, Mr. McGee. I want you, even if I don't have a chance at it again, I want you to show. That doesn't say the flesh stands between God and man. That says Jesus stands between the man Christ Jesus. It doesn't say son. I want all of you to look at that. That's got J-E-S-U-S there. That's the only God he says there is. And he's standing between the offended and the offender. All right. The next next, uh, chart that I want is where Jesus Christ was baptized. And when he came up out of the water, the Bible said, that he, a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, what did he say? The Bible says that Jesus went down to the river and was baptized. He says the son is not Jesus, but that was Jesus that was baptized. The Bible says it was Jesus, that he went from Nazareth down there about 60 miles and was baptized. And when Jesus came straightly up out of the water, that's what the Bible says. Well, Matthew 3:17. when Jesus saw it, he saw the Spirit coming, and Jesus heard God in heaven saying, this is my beloved Son. The, the, this refers to Jesus. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't say when the Son came up out of the water. It says when Jesus came up out of the water. And that's the God that he says is the only God. That is the supreme deity, he says, and there is no other. So don't you be taken away when he gets up here and says, that's the son. Oh, of course it's the son, but that's not his differentiation of it. He says the son and Jesus not the same. And there it is, just as plainly as anything can be seen, my friend. Now let me have the chart that says, if I judge, my judgment is true. For I'm not alone. But I am the Father that sent me. Oh. We may as well conclude as we began. Honorable opponent. <laughs> Moderator. Ladies and gentlemen. In the proposition which Mr. Totty handed to me to sign, there was a handwritten note attached the proposition for the next debate and uh, the handwriting note which is in pencil and signed by him goes like this in the next debate Mr. McGee will affirm the last two nights 
I wonder why he wants it like that. Now, <laughs> I want you people of Martinsville to know that this interruption and this goings-on has not come from the Apostolic Church. <laughs> Then he said the silliest thing I have ever heard a man say in public in all my life. He said <laughs> he could put one hand on that side of the King James Version, another hand on that side, and he could say, and I quote exactly, I believe everything in it is the truth. All right, Mr. Totter. They said to Jesus, Thou hast a devil. Do you believe that's the truth? <laughs> they said the Son of Man was gluttonous and a wine-bibber. Do you believe that's the truth? <laughs> i tell you what he does believe. He does believe that Nebuchadnezzar is a Trinitarian. Well, he can have them because we don't want them in the apostolic church. <laughs> then a little more talk was made about the manual. Hear me, friends. I'm not the man who read anything into the manual. He talked about a direct revelation. The manual just says revelation. The story is told about Winston Churchill, the great parliamentarian. Somebody provoked him in a debate. Churchill said, you're a liar. The speaker called him down. He said, now that's not parliamentary language. That's not permissible. You must withdraw that. So Mr. Churchill stood to his feet and said, well, I apologize to the right honorable member, and I withdraw my allegation that he is a liar. But he said, I must insist that the right honorable member has been guilty of a gross terminological inexactitude. Ditto. The proposition reads like this, that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. We are not discussing baptism, Mr. Toddy, nor the baptismal formula. Don't go on to another proposition until you've dealt with this one. That God eternally exists in three co-equal persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Now listen very carefully. I am against that. I don't believe that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Why not, Brother McGee? Well, for the following reasons. To begin with, the Roman Catholic origin of the theory originated by those who were apostate in Nicaea in the year 325 A.D. And ever since that, it has been the Roman Catholic Church's cardinal dogma. Now, I'm an Irishman, but I'm not a green Irishman. 
I'm an orange Irishman. And if you don't know what that means, it means this. I'm one of those Irishmen who is highly suspicious of anything that comes from Rome. I don't like this proposition because it's the chief plank on the platform of Roman theologians. Some of us have pitied in our hearts poor deluded Roman Catholics in their idol worship in their churches. Well, friends, before you start to pity them, just think a moment how it all began. It all began 325 A.D. when the truth of the mighty God in Christ was overthrown and the truth that God or the untruth that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Ghost was introduced. That was the beginning of the landslide into steep apostasy in the church. And now you can see the full development of it in the Roman Catholic Church. They have more objects of worship than they could count. And so we're against it because of its Roman Catholic origin. We're against the proposition for another reason. That God eternally exists in three co-equal persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. I'm against that proposition because it denies that there's one God. The proposition reads God the Father, that's one God. God the Son, that's two gods. God the Holy Ghost, that's three gods. So I'm against the proposition because I don't believe in three gods. The Bible says there is one God. Not just the Old Testament of the Jews, but in the New Testament. Ten times we are told there is one God. And so I can't believe the Bible and Mr. Totty's proposition at the same time that there are three gods, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. He denies that there is one God. Oh, he'll say, we don't believe there is one God. We don't, uh, we, we don't believe there are three gods. We believe that there are three divine persons. I've heard them say that before. I have a little piece of Church of Christ literature in my hand which talks about the Holy Ghost being a divine person, the Son being a divine person, and the Father being a divine person. Now, they'll talk about three divine persons, and that's all right. But if you say you believe in three gods, they get highly offended. Now, would anybody tell me what's the difference between three divine persons and three gods? I can't tell any difference, can you? Supposing I said to you tonight, I've got three automobiles, but I don't have three motor cars. What would you think? He tells us he has three divine persons, but he won't say he has, what, he has three gods, but he certainly has. You know, three God worship is cursed of Jehovah. Exodus 20 and 3 says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Galatians 3 and 10 says, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in the works of the law to do them. He mentioned the word Elohim and then dropped it like a hot coal. He hasn't come back on it again. Elohim is the Hebrew word translated God in your Bibles. Now it's a plural word. 
In the Hebrew grammar, they're singular, dual, and plural. Now, Elohim's a plural word, meaning at least three, any number, but at least three. Now, they made a great play on Elohim being three, being three. Now, we admitted that Elohim is plural, but we said it's the plural of majesty. Oh, no, he said, it's not the plural of majesty, it's plural. Well, if it's not the plural of majesty, there's only one other conclusion, and here it is. It's the plural of gods. E-L-L in the Hebrew, meaning God, and I am the plural signification. So it either means the plural of majesty or the plural of gods. You can take your choice, and there's no other alternative. And so we don't believe in, in three gods, so we can't accept the proposition. Also, we can't accept the proposition because it denies the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother McGee, why do you say that Mr. Toffee's proposition denies the deity of Jesus Christ? Well, because, read it. God eternally exists in three co-equal persons, God the Father, God the Son, whom he says is Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Ghost. All right? That makes Jesus Christ simply co-equal with two others. That makes Jesus Christ one-third of God. That makes Jesus Christ one God among three. I said he made Jesus Christ equal with the other two. Sometimes he doesn't even do that. He said when he was on earth, he wasn't equal. And when he comes back again, he won't be equal. So all that I can see in the whole proposition is a downgrading of the Lord Jesus Christ. I repeat, a deity not supreme is no deity at all. And a partial deity, or God to a certain extent, is indeed a blasphemous thought. That proposition is blasphemy. I don't believe the proposition because it denies the deity of Jesus. Revelation 1 and 8 says this. Jesus is the speaker. I am the Almighty. Not one of three co-equal persons or sometimes not even co-equal. But Jesus says, I am the Almighty. John 5 and 58, Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. Not we are. And I am one of them. And I'm most of the time co-equal with them. But some of the times not even that. Jesus didn't talk that way. Before Abraham was, I am. John 1 verse 1 says, the word was God. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, God was manifest in the flesh, and great is the mystery of godliness. Titus 2.13 says, we're looking for that blessed hope, even the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Romans 9 and 5 says, of whom concerning the flesh Christ came, who is God over all. Blessed forever. They say they believe in the deity of Jesus. They don't believe in the deity of Jesus. They damn him with faint praise. They plunder him while they praise him. So I reject the proposition because it denies the deity of my only God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I reject the proposition for another reason. That God eternally exists in three co-equal persons. God the Father, God the Son. God the Son. 
I asked him to find it for me in the Bible. God the Son. He never did. He never will. I reject this proposition because it makes the Son God. Now I read that the Son was begotten. Was God begotten? Luke 1, 35, Hebrews 1 and 5. I read the Son was born, Luke 1, 35. Was God born? I read the Son was made, Galatians 4, 4. Was God made? He talks about God the Son. The Son was made. Was God made? I read the Son had blood, 1 John 1 and 7. Does God have blood? He says, God the Son. I read the Son died, Galatians 2.20. Did God die? He says, God the Son. I read the Son didn't know something, Mark 13.32. Will he say that God did not know that something? God the Son. How wrong, how erroneous that happens to be. My Bible says the Son prayed, John 17, 9. Will he say God prayed? God the Son. My Bible says the Son will be subject eternally. 1 Corinthians 15, 24, 28. Will he say that God will be subject eternally? God the Son. I read that the Son's will was surrendered. Luke 22, 42. Not my will, but thine be done. Will he say that the Father's will or God's will is surrendered? I read the Son grew in wisdom. Luke 2.52. Will he say that God grew in wisdom? God the Son. I read that the Son was taught. John 8.28. Will he tell me that God was taught? Do you know what Toddy believes? He's told it to us in as many words. He believes in, in three co-equal persons. They eternally existed in three co-equal persons. In other words, there never was a time when the Father existed without the Son. Go back as far as you like and you'll find the Father and the Son. So Toddy believes that the Son was as old as his Father. Now think of it. If my dad were here with me tonight and you were to ask him his age, and supposing he were to say 70, and then if you were to say to me, his son, what's your age? And I was to say 70. What would you think? Yet this man believes that the father and the son are of equal age. He said they eternally exist in three co-equal persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Toddy says the Son is co-equal with the Father. But the Son himself says, my Father is greater than I. I won't hear it tonight that the Son is God because my Bible makes the Son humanity and not God. My Bible makes the Son flesh. All right, here's another reason why I reject the proposition. That God eternally exists in three co-equal persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Mr. Totten will not admit that the Holy Ghost is the Father of the Son. Luke 1 and 35. We've waited for four nights for an answer. The answer never came. I don't blame him. If I were in his shoes, I wouldn't try to answer it. In Luke 1 and 35, the angel spoke to the virgin and said, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. 
the power of the highest shall overshadow thee therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the son of God or clearly the Holy Ghost was a husband to the virgin and a father to her offspring Mr. Toddy denies that the Holy Ghost is the father he says the father eternally exists in three co-equal persons God the, that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons God the father God the son and God the Holy Ghost tell us which member of the Trinity is the father of Jesus will you is it number one whom you call the father or number three the Holy Ghost whom the angel said would be the father of the son and so we reject Mr. Toddy's proposition because he denies that the Holy Ghost is the father of the son he tells an angel you're talking thoughts the Holy Ghost is not the father of the son the first person is the father of the son we reject the proposition because it denies that Jesus is the father he says God eternally exists through three co-equal persons God the Father God the Son the Son to him is Jesus and Jesus is the Son they equate perfectly and thoroughly no more and no less therefore he denies that Jesus is the Father I reject the proposition tonight with the contempt and the disdain that it deserves how could I disbelieve that Jesus is the Father when Isaiah 9 and 6 says he shall be called the everlasting father do you know what the apostolic church is doing in martinsville tonight they're fulfilling that scripture he shall be called the everlasting father john 14 and 9 jesus said he that hath seen me hath seen the father john 10 and 30 i and the father are one toddy says it's not so he and the father are two so because he denies the fatherhood of our adorable lord jesus christ and because we know no other way to make him god for there's one god the father we reject his proposition out of hand also we reject his proposition because it denies implicitly that jesus is the holy ghost three co-equal persons the son the father and the holy ghost how can we deny jesus is the holy ghost mr totty you and your little slides god bless your heart flash slide number two onto the screen will you i will pray the father and he will give you another comforter he stops at the 16th verse he won't go into the 17th and he certainly never will mention the 18th verse he never has mentioned the 18th verse throughout this debate this is how it reads jesus said to the apostles i won't leave you comfortless i I will come to you proving that Jesus is the Holy Ghost. 2 Corinthians 3.19 says of Jesus, the Lord, that's the Lord Jesus, there's only one Lord, Jesus Christ, the Lord is that Spirit. John 20, 22, Jesus breathed on the apostles and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost, and he'll say, Jesus isn't the Holy Ghost. Philippians 1.19, another verse he's never touched, speaks about the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So because this proposition denies that Jesus is the Holy Ghost, we deny his proposition. Then he denies that the Father is the Spirit. Listen to this. 
that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, or God the Holy Spirit. So God the Holy Spirit is a different person from God the Father. Now the Bible doesn't teach that. John 14, 23. The true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Verse 24. God is a spirit. God the Father, says Jesus, is the Spirit. He denies that the Spirit is the Father. He denies that the Father is the Spirit. But I believe Jesus tonight, Jesus talking about the worship of the Father, said God is a Spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. I reject the proposition tonight because if the proposition were true, then the death of Christ hasn't done us as much good as we think it has. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. God was in Christ. Did you hear that? God was in Christ. Does it say one third of God? Does it say a good share of God? It simply speaks in an unqualified way and says God was in Christ. You know, you'll find that expression more than once in the New Testament. God in Christ. God in Christ. God in Christ. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 reads, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. In other words, the reconciling death of the Lord Jesus Christ reconciled you and me to that God who was in him. Now he says the deity in Jesus was the deity of the Son. He denies that the Son is the Father. He denies that the Son is the Holy Ghost. Well, that means that we are not yet reconciled to the Father and the Holy Ghost. Because God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. We are reconciled by the death of Christ unto that deity which was in Jesus. If he wasn't the Father, if he wasn't the Holy Ghost, we are not yet reconciled to two divine persons by the death of Christ. Oh, I'm glad the proposition is false tonight. I'm glad what a predicament we would be in if Mr. Toppy's views were true. Not yet reconciled to two divine persons, reconciled to one only. I reject the proposition for another reason. Mr. Toddy's proposition, which he has tried to defend, reveals his total lack of comprehension of the uniqueness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Totty doesn't seem to understand that Jesus was not only or simply a mere man. He doesn't seem to understand that Jesus was also God. Listen to this, Mr. Totty. That Jesus, whom we worship, is the Father when we think of him as God. The Jesus whom we worship him is the Son when we think of him as man. And the Jesus whom we worship is the Holy Ghost when we think of him as the Comforter. Jesus is unique 
the meeting place of God and man. We have been treated to little grammatical tests and never forget it. Jesus Christ transcends grammatical tests. Do you know what I mean? He was more than a man. He was God. He had two natures in his person. And so he is the transcendental, magnificent Christ who transcends even grammatical tests but does no violence to any grammatical test. Not by any means. Listen to this. John 12 and 46. How does your grammatical test line up to this Jesus said and he that hath seen me or he that seeth me seeth him that sent me if any other mere man said that it would be ludicrous English but Jesus could say if you've seen me you've seen him now supposing I said that tonight, if you've seen me, you've seen him. Why you'd say you're beside yourself. I can't say it because I'm not unique. I'm like the rest of you. But Jesus could say it because he's unique and transcends grammatical tests. He that seeth me, seeth him. Jesus could say I'm me and I'm him because he was God and man. Have you got the secret? 1 Timothy 3.16 Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. There's a mystery that Mr. Totty has failed to comprehend. The mystery of godliness. When he looks at Jesus, he can't see enough. When he looks at Jesus, he underrates him. When he looks at Jesus, he minimizes him. And he tries to measure our Jesus by a simple little puny grammatical test. His grammatical tests, I repeat, applicable and suitable and appropriate to everybody else, are inadequate when you're trying to measure an eternal personality. My brothers and my sisters, let me tell you something tonight. If I am convinced about one fact in this universe more than another, it's the fact that Jesus Christ is the supreme deity. Is there a father? He's the father. Is there a son? He's the son. Is there a Holy Ghost? He is the Holy Ghost. I bow my knee with Thomas and without reservations and without Trinitarian connection. I bow my knee with Thomas and without reservations and without Trinitarian conundrums in my mind. I bow the knee with Thomas, look full in the face of Jesus and say, I repeat, without reservations, my Lord and my God. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Through the mail, the morning of the debate, in the post, the morning of the debate, I received a peculiar looking little package. 
to Mr. Gordon McGee, 1814 Orange Street, Indianapolis, Indiana, care of Reverend Ursh. I couldn't even begin to think what it was. When I opened it for a moment or two, I still hardly knew what it was. Then someone looked at it and said, oh, a slingshot. And do you know, the kind donor also supplied the ammunition. A little rock. A little rock. And on the rock, a little inscription. Would you like to know what? John 10 and 30. Know that scripture? I and my father are one. Listen, Mr. Toddy, you talked a lot about little David, eh? <laughs> Did you have a foreboding? <laughs> Did you have a foreboding? I noticed that when David went out against the giant, he didn't need to throw a whole mountain at Goliath. That wasn't necessary. One little stone did the trick. Do you know, for those that have ears to understand, this one little stone, the scripture engraved upon it, will do the trick and bring the Goliath of error tumbling down. He says God eternally exists in three co-equal persons, God the Son, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. That's what he says. The Bible says, I and my Father are one. Brother Toddy, I'm not trying to be malicious. But I understand the stone hit Goliath between the eyes. I think that's where you need the stone of John 10 and 30 to hit you. Hit you in your brain. Or at least hit you where your brains are supposed to be. You know, I wasn't always a one God believer. I was raised in Roman Catholic art. The poor man's been brainwashed. the opportunity of this debate. The challenge was meted to Brother Potter from uh, Mr. Rogers here in the city of Martinsville and then Mr. Rogers and Brother Potter myself got together and the outcome was the gathering of Mr. Toddy and Brother Gordon McGee. I've enjoyed every night of it. have appreciated the gathering here in Martinsville, the opportunity of being in the armory, and the opportunity of the discussion. I'd like to say this, in days gone by, religious discussions were very important to America. Today, apparently, they are not. There's too much pacifism in many of our churches where they will not stand up for some of the things that are very important to the militant church, the church that stands for the truth. And some folks frown a little bit on debates. I think this has gone along very well. 
I think it's done a whole lot of good. It's been a sharing of views, the views of the Church of Christ and the views of the apostolic group. And we pray that as you heard, heard from the scriptures, that you have been able to deduce from your own thinking what is the truth of God from the Bible. That's the way these debates are judged. We appreciate the very amiable treatment of Mr. Rogers and Mr. Tuttle. And we do thank God for the opportunity of being in Martinsville. Thank you, Mr. Rogers. Mr. Potter has a few words to say. My, I wish we could get all of you in our church. First, we would like to tell this complete, full house, this great audience, we appreciate your wonderful attitude, and that includes Church of Christ and the Apostolic Movement. We have really appreciated all of you. You have been wonderful. All of you. Mr. Toddy, we've appreciated having you in our city. Glad we met Mr. Toddy and we heard much about him. And we're glad that he came to our city and may God bless him. Mr. Rogers and I have had a very nice time in arranging this and doing the best we knew how to take care of all situations that might arise. We have got along wonderfully in the natural. <laughs> in the spiritual realm, we seem to disagree. And to the ushers, God bless them, they've done a wonderful job. To those that have parked the cars and taken care of the traffic, we're very, very happy about that. They have done a good job. Brother Urshan, he has gotten me out of the ditch. God bless him. And to that lovable Irishman, Brother McGee, I just absolutely love him. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're very happy for this. And to all the ministers of the Church of Christ, may God bless them. They have been, their attitude's been wonderful. Frankly, I think that everything has gone fine. And I'm very happy about it. You draw your own conclusions. Thank God this is a free country where you can worship the Lord according to the dictates of your heart without fear of governments. May God bless every one of you, and we want to announce that we interrupted a God-sent revival for this debate. Brother and Sister Childress from Pensacola, Florida. That brings a thought to Brother Toddy's mind. He has debated Brother Welch. Brother Childress is from Brother Welch's church. We are continuing our revival starting tomorrow night. Every night, as long as the Lord leads, with the exception of Monday night. Time, 7.30. Location, 600 South Lincoln Street. Every one of you come. We appreciate the comments which Mr. Urshan made. First of all, I'll mention him. He has been very congenial to us in our working together here, as has Mr. Potter. I appreciate especially the remarks he made regarding debating. 
Many times I've been told by people of the sectarian world that debating is a thing of the past. As debating goes out of style, modernism comes in. We must realize that. When we get to the point where we will not discuss what we believe to be the truths of God's word, things are getting in a bad shape. We appreciate your comments, Mr. Urshan. To Mr. Potter and to those who have worked with him, we give our heartfelt thanks. It is a customary thing for the person who does the challenging, which in this case was myself, to put forth most of the work, but it was not true in this case, for Mr. Potter was ready and willing and able to carry out more than his share of the work. To this, to you, sir, we appreciate that. To Mr. McGee and Mr. Toddy, both, we express our appreciation for the fine job which they have done. Now, some of you will possibly leave here tonight with some hard feelings toward others. Now, we hope that that'll not be the case. We should look at this as an opportunity to study, to be thankful that we live here, and just stop and understand that there are so many places where this cannot be done. The possibility of another debate has been mentioned. I guess I should quit mentioning the word possibility here because I'm told that another debate will take place in Indianapolis. I talked with Mr. McGee just a few minutes before we started. He said that it was necessary for him to be out of town for a while, or out of this area for a while, going down to St. Louis. He'll be coming back through Indianapolis in about three weeks, and we plan to get together at that time and discuss the next debate. The propositions in that debate, if uh, uh, will possibly, we hope, will be reversed in that. That is, uh, the proposition that was discussed last night and tonight will be discussed the first two nights uh, in that debate. At least probably they will or possibly they will. That is the proposal which we have put to him. Tree. You cut my tree down, you'll get you a big load. Boy, I wish I had. 
Yeah, but it's really supposed to be. Check. 